Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where our goal is to help you find health and community through movement. I'm Molly Herford, a writer, coach, and yoga teacher. And I'm Peter Glassford, an endurance coach and kinesiologist. Every week, we're talking to athletes and experts who can help you lead your best active, adventurous life. Whether you're a gravel racer, a marathon runner, or you just got out on your first bike ride yesterday, we're here cheering you on. You can also visit us online at consummateathlete.com for coaching information and training tips, nutrition advice, yoga flows, bike skills, and more. And now, let's get into this week's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. We just are fresh off of a, a big run here. The running fitness is building. My tolerance for these long runs is increasing. And we got to go for a long walk on the beach because Peter mis, uh, <laughs> misrepresented the mileage. Yeah, I was trying to make it sound like our tolerance was increasing. We just were further from home. So <laughs> it's funny how that motivates the long distance uh, bipedal motion yes <laughs> <laughs> debating the pronunciation of bipedal but I'll, I'll allow it you think it's bipedal i think so i don't think so unless anyway. maybe if it's referring to flowers uh speaking of pedaling i am also a few days into our uh our little bike skills challenge that we challenged everyone to do spend 10 minutes a day working on your your bike skills and i have been um i made the we, we mentioned like, oh, yes, you could even do, you know, just out on your deck, practice some track stand. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to learn to track stand on the deck. So uh, that's, okay. that's what well, I've been up to. Some work to be done, but some you, work you, to be you done. got out there. That's the important thing. So we'll try and post a, a few more videos on Instagram, probably be on the Consummate Athlete Instagram account. Uh, with just some ideas and some some thoughts from you on yeah we put that out there on friday our episode with dr mark roca which people seem to be liking uh, around sort of returning to jumping this is like jumping on two feet versus jumping on bikes but yeah. we talked about how that was related um but we mentioned that if there were requests you know i can certainly put together some some videos or, or refer you to ones we've done uh for different skills as well mm -hmm. yeah so i think that's that's going well it's it's just nice to you know focus on the the skills we've talked about this a lot as sort of one of the the philosophies that we we hold dear as consummate athletes that you know one of the the great ways to get better on the bike without actually having to expend more energy is to focus on skills well it's free speed uh hopefully keeps you out of trouble as well as far as safety and not maybe crashing as much uh, but also that you know we talk about this consistency or this efficiency of you know are you eating on the bike can you sit up straight and sort of you know stretch out your your arms and your back while you're doing these long rides uh, you know, can you avoid trouble, you know, whether that's skidding, you know, to a stop or, or something like that, right? There's a lot of these things do contribute to a more consummate athlete mm -hmm. becoming yeah, a more consummate yeah. athlete. And I guess on the, the note of consummate athletes and sort of one of our, our cross-training uh, philo philosophical tenets, today we're all about strength training. Uh, we have brought strength training extraordinaire i'm going to call him that uh dan john back on the podcast yeah Peter i think so is super excited we were, i was excited for this episode just like the last one uh, i so was a little grumpy because someone <sighs> didn't ask the one question that i really want an answer Molly to wants dan john to go into sort of a zombie apocalypse in his, his latest book attempts uh he talks a little bit about disaster preparedness and so molly wants to push him on that but we'll have him back on he said he would mm -hmm. come back on to discuss that maybe we'll have to only have him back on for that scenario well i was gonna say you're also not invited okay that's good because i don't like those conversations they're yeah. scary scary yeah in any case dan john and i really meandering as usual 
but we we cover all sorts of different things ranging from sort of the the purpose of the strength coach of the coach you know the art and science of coaching we talk about dan john's been training you know full gas here uh for a weightlifting competition so he's been training for that and also working to sort of cut a bit of weight for this as well so we talk a bit about that his his weight loss and sort of what he's been doing for that uh it involves walking he calls it heavy hands is walking with a bit of weight as well. So we talk about that, uh, which I think is a great. Story. You know, he's just showing up, you know, he says, it's not, there's nothing fancy about it. It's not really, you know, anything amazing. He's just showing up and doing strength. He's talking about easy strength. This is his, you know, most days of the week we're doing work. It's not, you know, anything super crazy. He's just doing the work. So we talk about his training. We talk a bit about easy strength. They're working on the new edition of easy strength as well. Now about easy strength, we will put something up over at consummateathlete.com sort of going into just a quick look at what easy strength is, because I mean, we're not talking about easy and that like it's five pound dumbbell. I think a lot of clients, when I introduce it to them, yeah, it's like, they don't want that because it's easy, but it's not easy because it's, it's every day. Um, but we'll post a workout. We'll also put a couple links to Dan John's website. And then if you do want to go deep on this, he has a workout generator at danjohnuniversity.com. And we'll link to that. And you can just go in there and they'll set up, you know, depending on how many days a week you want to train, what your goals are. Uh, it works really, really well. Um, so you can go there to do that. We'll also link to Dan John's latest book attempts and you can link through to all his other books, uh, wherever you buy books with that as well. Do we have other notes on that? No, I mean, I think he's a great guy to have on because it's it's kind of a, de- a departure from our, our normal cycling, running, like coaches and experts and everything. Um, you know, he he's obviously very much interested in the idea of biking and walking and all that, but his, his bias is towards strength. And I think we're seeing more and more the importance of strength training uh, for everyone. You know, um, we just had... I did a webinar with Ontario Cycling where we had Alex Coates uh, come on that. She's actually been on the podcast before, and we were talking about Red S, and we were talking about how, especially for cyclists, uh, their bone density is already pretty low. So, you know, when you do get into that Red S and you start getting into the, like, osteopenia and all of that, like, you're already in trouble because if you haven't been weightlifting because your bone density is already low, so it's only going to get lower. And even worse unless you actually crash, you don't even have the impact that could cause an injury early on as like a warning sign. So usually when you talk about red ass or, you know, what was used to be the female athlete tried, you're talking about stress fractures. And in cyclists, we don't really get stress fractures because we rarely do an impact kind of thing that would cause one. Um, so sorry, that's a very meandering thing to point out. Just strength training is important for everyone. Well, and, and I think the importance that you're getting at that is that like, whatever we do is good. You enjoy it. Hopefully it brings you a lot of pleasure. Hopefully you're getting fit doing it, uh, building a community, but there's also usually downsides to whatever we're doing that we can work on. You know, we believe with cross training, which we can group in strength training with as well. Right. So Dan John and I actually also talk about, uh, neck exercise and neck pain and just Again, something that cyclists are going to be predisposed to because we're always leaning forward. Um, and, and we do touch on, you know, it's basically doing horizontal rows and making sure that you're working on your back muscles uh, as well. Uh, but we talk about how that is sort of a risk, risk reward as well, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I am excited to get into this. Everyone, enjoy this episode with Dan John. Where I wanted to start today probably is, you know, I, I'm just curious about your your training. And I mean, you're probably getting sick of talking about it, but that's, you like talking about it. So we'll, no, we'll no. start, we'll start there. Like you're, you're getting ready for a big meet, a big lifting meet, right? Yeah. 
Um, and so how's that going? Well, it's going really well. Uh, it's really unusual right now because, well, first off, I train in my garage. So it's, it is uh, dependent on the weather some days. And I'm convinced that the, uh, <laughs> the weather has slid a few months. It's, we're getting December weather in March, uh, January weather in April. So I, I'm, Today we have a snowstorm, uh, and it's uh, it's, so that impacts us garage trainers, you know. But it's going well. Uh, I've made a few changes, but uh, let's see. I started off January first. I weighed. uh, Do you want kilos or pounds? What's what's easier? Oh, whichever people. We're we're Canadian, so we do we we use kilograms, but we we cheat and we actually use pounds. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) we uh, sit on the fence in Canada, right? Yeah. So I weighed two (laughs) fifty, and I'm down to two twenty four. Okay. you know, uh, body weight. So that's what, 26 pounds. And, um, that's great. And really what I'm doing is, so I Olympic lift followed by heavy hands basically. Um, so, uh, I do my, my mobility, uh, I do a, a loaded carry. I do the snatch and the clean and jerk. And while I'm still kind of puffing from that last set of clean and jerks, I put on ankle weights and I pick up some weights and I go for about a half hour, 45 minute walk, kind of depending, really mm-hmm. depends on what time we're going to do breakfast. That's, that's the big one. I mean, <laughs> do we want to breakfast now or 15 minutes from now? And that's kind yeah. of it. And it's weird because, um, you know, my body's loving it. Uh, uh, it's strange to say that, but my body really likes it. Uh, the weight loss, that's 10% of my mass. 10% is a lot, especially when you're my age. Uh, my numbers in the gym are going well, um, uh, kilos or pounds, it doesn't matter. But like today, today, you know, like, uh, this week I had yesterday was a, um, yesterday was a medium workout and I did, uh, so 75 kilos for a couple of doubles in the snatch and, you know, 85 in the clean and jerk for a couple singles. Today was real light. My light days now are. 50 kilos uh, for fives, which is kind of fun. And, you know, uh, the easy strength idea is you just trying to keep. So you want to start off with um, 30 kilos and then later 30 kilos needs to feel like 40, uh, 40 kilos should feel like 30 kilos just to do. And then 50 kilos should feel like 40 kilos and then 60 kilos. And what happens is by just nudging up those light weights, pretty soon you're putting up some big weights overhead and hmm. it sounds insane until you do them. And, Anybody who has a courage to do easy strength finds the same thing as true is that you just, by not destroying yourself in the workouts, your, your load slowly magically goes up and my mobility improves, my flexibility improves, my body composition improves. And, and it's almost, uh, it's, it's silly. I, I hate talking about it with some trainers because they're all from this bodybuilding, go for the burn, the blitz, you know, mm-hmm. terrorize your triceps, terrorize your everything. You're always terrorizing everything. And right the training program I use is nudging. I, I nudge myself up. Yes. And, and you're using, is this the five days you're basically training? Is that, I'm training, to that? I'm training, uh, six days a week formally with a Thursday being a mobility tonic day and Sunday, just, just because Sunday's always been an easy day for me. Uh, Sunday couldn't be, you know, uh, and not long from now, Sunday, we'll walk over to the farmer market. So imagine that. Yeah, just, <laughs> we'll do that again, right? We'll be shoveling snow and getting vegetables. The same. Well, we've taken your spring. It's it's much nicer here in Canada right now. Yeah. Um, but 
Um, so the weight loss, is that largely because of the competition? You're just trying to get as, as fit and as lean as you can well, in that direction? or? Well, I mean, it's I man. Leo was born uh, two weeks ago. And mm-hmm. when he's old enough to drive, I'll be 80. So people in my family don't live to be 80. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, last what, two years ago now, you know, my brother Phil died. He's just a little older than I am. And people in my family, they're... You know, either die in America's wars or we die young. And I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to push the, <laughs> trying to, since right out of uh, Hunger Games, uh, I'm trying to push the odds in my favor. Uh, and so, you know, I talked to my coach, Dick Notmeyer. He's going to be 90 this year, and he's, and he said, he said, I love him too. God, I love Dick. He says to me, you know. Uh, you're, you should be weighing 215 to 220. That's when you're, you're the best. And it's like, okay, there's good advice right there. So yeah. my goal is from my 90-year-old weightlifting coach who still lifts weights every other day. So How did you run into him? I've never heard. I don't think. I'm sure I've probably read something oh, that you mentioned him. Yeah. Well, when I went to junior college, so I wasn't good enough coming out of high school to be a Division One athlete. Uh, I weighed 162. I threw the discus far, but no one was interested because they always want the guy who looks, you know, no one develops. It's, you know, why would you possibly develop an athlete? When, right. And I met Dick uh, at the sports palace. I went up there to watch it, to see if I could learn by watching the Olympic lifts. And Jim Schmitz announced that Dick and Joy Notmeyer. And, and literally on the way to the bathroom, I bumped into Dick and I said, I want to learn the Olympic lifts. And he said, uh, come to my house on Monday, uh, the Pacifico Barbell Club. And, uh, I got there Monday and it was, we worked out for three hours and I started Olympic lifting five days a week for three hours for the next couple of years. And, uh, within the first four months, I'd put 40 pounds of body weight on and uh, I went from being a pretty good high school thrower to a division one MVP, you know, and mm-hmm. um, sadly, I think we overtrained. Uh, we should have really eased up my second year. When I went off to Utah State, it took me a while to kind of transition from being a lifter who throws to a thrower who lifts. Uh, there was some other stuff going on, of course. But my senior, when I finally did cut back to a program that was, I mean, that's when I, um, according to my coach at Utah State, had the best the best year of any thrower in hmm. Utah State history. So that's high praise for a school that good. Hmm. That's so cool that you've been working with them for so long. What yeah. A, what a gift. 1975. What a gift. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny um, that that art of knowing when to switch, right? I think you you encapsulate this in some of your your teachings, I guess, very well with the everything works for six weeks and some of this stuff. But yeah. that like, you know, is a year enough, you know, how long till you switch? And, you know, if I was to say if there's an art to what we do. I, I hate it when people talk about the science of weightlifting because then they go to these idiotic studies of mm-hmm. you know, 19 year old stone freshmen, you know, uh, which are worthless. Um, but the art, the art of, of strength coaching would be that ability to sit back and go. And, and here's the funny thing, Peter, I, I can probably just say, you know, here, here's the line where it's enough, but to convince you to listen to me is the other thing. So, <laughs> right. You yeah. are strong enough to throw international numbers and nod your head for me. Just nod your head and go sure. like this. If you talk, yeah, I'm a sure. cyclist, but I'll nod. I'll pretend. You're not, there you are <laughs> nodding your head, agreeing me with it. Oh yeah, sure. You're right. 
And so let's just cut to, to one or two days a week. Oh, no, no, no. I can't afford to do that. I'd lose my, my pecs, my body. And then you turn yourself into a bodybuilder, you know, you, so that's, so everybody, so part of the art of coaching is to convince someone when enough is enough. In fact, that probably is, there's probably only two things in coaching, teaching the highly motivated that enough is enough and teaching the rest of the idiots that they actually do have to sweat a little bit to get their goals. Mm-hmm. And the truth is uh, trying to carry someone to excellence never has worked in my life. Not one time. No. But sometimes when you're coaching a team sport or you're working with somebody, like if you've been asked to work with somebody, I always feel like it's uh, I, I'm, I'm become a, I become a hod carrier and I, I throw this person on my back and I climb the mountain for them. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't ever work. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, it's very challenging. Um, but I'm just thinking of a couple of emails I've had today, like the, the, as you say, it's the art of coaching in general, but it's similar with endurance and cycling is, you know, you're, you have enough endurance, like you're there, you've trained many hours, yeah. you need, yes. you need to not like ruin yourself, you know, burn out and overuse injury. And it's like, you can't, it's very hard. Like you say, it's an art. Sometimes you win, but yeah. Sometimes it's yeah. To, and and you sometimes know. you just have to sit back and, and, and wait for the, for, for the flames to calm down. It's like, mm. okay, uh, you're, the house is burning down, but we still have to get you out of that. No, lit, lit, yeah. Like that's, that's it, right? Like around you, like all aspects of life, um, you know, and this yeah. could go into conversations about being knitted and put together and, yeah. um, yeah. And, and it's all true. So, and so when I tell people how I'm training now and well, those, the first thing I hear, well, will that work for a 20 year old? And I'm like, wait, never lift, never missing a lift, uh, building gently over time. Yeah, I think it would work. Now it won't work for anybody I've ever worked with because they want, because immediately is not soon enough, you know. Mm. Hmm. Um, Related to that, do you feel like, you know, we're talking about overdoing it, you know, doing too much, getting injured. Um, is there more to avoiding injuries? Do you think than this not missing a list, the consistency, the, you know, staying back from a hundred percent. Okay. Oh boy. That's, that's a loaded question. So there's going to be the DNA. I mean, everybody's born with certain issues. You know, mine was pistol grip hips. Um, mm-hmm. Some of your lift lister uh, listeners, maybe, you know, maybe there's, there's some knee issues that you're sure. born with there. Uh, I was just here, uh, reading on, on kneecaps. Some people are born with kneecaps that just are not, not well shaped to slide yeah. in the groove of the femur. There, there you go. I mean, and hard to overcome that. Um, there are some issues with picking the right sport. I mean, if we had a good enough model that you could step into a machine and it could do all the minute measurements and say, you're a kayaker, Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the two of us both jump in and you're a canoeist and I'm a kayaker right? Uh, because of, boy, that would be great because you'd probably, a whole bunch of the injuries would, if you were born to do this thing, you know, when I'm around the NBA guys, the basketball guys, it's pretty obvious that <laughs> professional basketball players are born right. different. I mean, I always They're... joke that elevators smell different at the NBA level and no one at first gets the joke. <laughs> Because you're you're at everyone's butt level, you know, uh, and it's pretty. You know, certain people are born to be jockeys, and uh, okay, those are the obvious ones. But there's also others. Uh, after that, number two is 
you know, kind of having the courage in the beginning of having a beautiful technique. And that would be beautiful technique for your people on their bikes, on their bikes, uh, in, in the supportive areas, the lifting, whatever else they do mm-hmm. in my world. Uh, I was working with some young throwers yesterday who were throwing 10 and 15 feet farther than they ever have in their careers. And they kept telling me how effortless it was. And it's like, right. A good throw doesn't hurt. Uh, a good snatch, a good clean and jerk, a good front squat doesn't doesn't feel like pieces of your body are ripping off at the seams. Mm-hmm. And then from there, so I would say the DNA, the genetics, uh, being fit, fitted, not fit as in the exercise word, but uh, jigsaw puzzled, uh, fitted to your sport. Uh, you 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 your body fits your your goal set. Mm. And then from there, uh, mastery of beautiful technique. Uh, and then after that, I hate to say it, but well, luck. I mean, you know, in your world, I mean, people do get hit by cars. And in my sure. world, uh, in collision sports, you get you get T-boned uh, when you least expect it. And I'm, this is going to sound weird, but I'm always okay. <laughs> it's going to sound strange when it comes out of my mouth, but I'm always okay with injuries during performance. Interesting. Um, yeah, because, I think that I can see where you're going. Yeah. Because you're you're on the edge in performance, and maybe you know you're doing the the tour. I mean, the most famous tour in the world, the tour to Murray, Utah. Um, <laughs> and you know, you decide to cut a corner, you know, faster and tighter, and you slip. Boom! Bad things happen, and that's okay though. But in a training ride, I would never want you to get hurt in a training ride or in, a, in, I, I, I hurt my left wrist really badly in a weightlifting meet. I was going for a state record. I'm okay with that one. There's some other injuries I've not been okay with. Mm-hmm. There's probably some common, like, what would you say, you know, some of these young throwers, say one of these young guys are throwing 15%, you know, they're getting, you know, would it be shoulder pain or back pain mm-hmm. or something as they're throwing? Like, would, was that as a coach, are you thinking in to prevent injury in training then are you are you pulling them out or how would you handle that art of coaching in the moment oh if something's hurting them then it's, it, sometimes you just have to have this con- like like we're doing right here mm-hmm. so what what are you doing uh for example with throwers uh anybody that lives in a torque sport um you know you you could just honestly <laughs> it could be I'm, I'm looking over at a bed right there we have a guest room here and i'm just thinking you know crappy mattress, uh, road trip, uh, uh, sitting in a bus for 12 hours, crappy mattress. Those could be the bigger factors to your injury as, as your technique. Mm-hmm. So it has to be a much more, um, holistic approach, uh, to the discussion. Um, if your technique is hurting you, then you don't have good technique. That that's, 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 I learned that from John Powell, uh, the great discus thrower and Brian Oldfield, the great shot putter, good technique should never hurt. And if it does, you're doing something wrong, hmm. which is, which is why I've moved more and more to the never miss idea of uh, weightlifting. Uh, no misses are allowed. Now to get elite performance, you're going to have to push, you know, you'll push the accelerator somehow. So with there now we're back to the art. Mm-hmm. Well, you, with your thinking to your meet, um, and this gets into, I guess, peaking, one of a subject you, you're fond of as well. Yeah. 
Um, so you're thinking about building up, never missing a lift, you know, you know, very controllable, very, so are you going to do a phase into your competition where you're actually throwing more overhead or is it like competition day? You'll know what to do. In my new, in fact, my friend Pavel likes this a lot. The only time I go heavy now is when there's three officials. (laughs) Right. When I weighed in, there's three officials, there's a platform, there's, you know, a top end bar. And, uh, but it's funny thing is that great American weightlifter, Tommy Kono, he used to wonder why the guys weren't lifting in six, seven, eight, nine meets a year. You know, uh, Lee James, the great American, he got the silver medal in a, in an Olympics up your way in a place called Montreal. Um, he once had, I want to say eight weightlifting meets in eight weeks. Now you say, well, that's crazy. But at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, but you just, you, so, you know, you, on Saturday, you weigh in, you you snatch, you clean and jerk. Monday, you're sore from the heavy day. And so maybe you, okay, I missed my second attempt because of this. And you practice. And maybe Wednesday, you're already thinking, okay, here we go. But in your field, I mean, do people race one race a year? No, no, it's very much like, I was just going to say, that sounds like a cycling season, right? We we race in the summer and then you go and you, yeah. away and you do your GPP the rest of the time. Things. And you yeah. fix it, yeah. So I would say that one of the mistakes we've made, in fact, uh, t- one of Tommy Kono's last articles before he died was how these American lifters were only going to lift at the Americans and the worlds. And it's like, that's insane. How how can you practice? Mm. So yeah, you're doing snatch and clean and jerk in your gym, maybe even three times a day, but you're not actually doing the sport. Because if you miss your snatch, your third snatch in your session in the morning and go, oh, woe is me. That's not the same as being on the platform with a hundred people staring at you. Hmm. I like that. This is like the the ecological view of all this, right? Where it's yes. it's like there's, you know, as you say, judges and your timing's all messed up, the warm-up's not on time like you would yeah. in your gym. Well, I've been to a weightlifting meet where they didn't have enough uh, there wasn't enough load in the in the warm-up room to really do anything. We only had 60 kilos. Hmm. And my and uh, I remember this one guy, a good friend of mine, just bitching and complaining about it. And it was interesting because my thought, the first thing I did was I went back to, well, I'm wait. So I'm going to make, I did all this training and now I'm, oh, so here's my excuse. Okay. Uh, Coach Mon used to have this great little thing on the wall. He, he wouldn't, didn't want to know why you performed poorly. He just wanted the number. So it was like, uh, I'm overtrained. I'm undertrained. I didn't get enough sleep this week. I got too much sleep this week. And it was just this whole little chart of excuses, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I would just say in this situation, well, that's 73. I didn't take enough warm up lifts versus 74. I took too many warm up lifts. Man, excuses are easy to find as an athlete. Excuses are easy to find as a grandfather, a father, a husband, uh, anything, any aspect of my life. And yet, uh, you know, if I don't feed the newborn, he yells at me. He doesn't, he, he, he doesn't, if, uh, if I forget to feed my dog over here who's snoring and farting next to me, uh, trust me, he's farting, uh, you know, there's going to, he's going to let me know that I didn't feed him. And, you know, it's, uh, excuses, excuses just don't play out in the real world very well. Hmm. 
where do we want to go now? I'm thinking maybe we go more of a rapid fire. Um, if people wanted, you know, the weather's getting better and so forth. And I know you've, you are a big proponent of the weighted carries, the pulling. Mm-hmm. Um, where would you have someone start? You know, they you know, could access getting other stuff, but we're not at the gym quite for a lot of people yet. Um, if someone wanted to do some of these weighted carries and and or uh, sure. dr- dragging stuff, where, where would you start someone? Well, I still, I mean, the, I mean, if you have anything, pick it up and carry it. But uh, if you have to make your own equipment, uh, one of the things we do is we find the old bag around the house. It could be one of my daughter's school bags that, you know, the, those expensive backpacks I bought every year that, that have Spice Girls and Britney Spears. And, and those are for bonus points at the, at the gym when, you're, when you have those ones, yeah. And I just go over here to our, one of these, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're Lowe's, Home Depot, whatever. And they have something called playground sand. And it costs about, well, it's about 2 or $3 a bag of 50-pound bag of playground sand. And you just drop one of those in there. And then uh, if you got a sturdier bag, you drop two. And if you really want to find out what kind of shape you're in, you drop three. And then you pick them up bear hug style and you walk around with them. And to me, that's still the best. The bear hug carry and the farmer walk are probably the two best carries for most people. And then uh, the suitcase where you drop, only do it with one hand. We call it the suitcase carry. But just the suitcase, the bear hug, and the farmer walk, you'll discover things about your work capacity you didn't know. And uh, the bear hug carry, like if you decide to do the three bags, Picking that thing up off the ground it will take you a few minutes because the bags keep flopping around. And then you have to squeeze it hard. And we call this armaconda strength, you know, uh, anacondas, you know, anaconda, sure. armacondas. You know, I, I get it. Uh, I've read that many times. Is that what it's called in the books or is it anaconda? I feel well, like it's that. anaconda, but my friend. Oh, okay. Them, Inside joke. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> we call them armacondas. Uh, That's good. But, uh, you know, because you're, you're, you're squeezing, you're squeezing, you're squeezing, and all of a sudden, you discover this whole flock of muscles that you would never discover using machine training. And you're, so you're, you're saying, the, sorry, three by 50 pound bags of sand you are picking up and hugging. 150 pounds, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it'll, uh, it'll call you out. You, you know, um, you, you do that for the first time, just standing up with the load and hugging it. So you're standing here like this. You All you've done is pick it up. I can see in your face how much longer you've got to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I might say walk it, you know, 50 meters and come back. But I can see in your face that you're you're not going to be able to walk 20 steps, five steps. So uh, someone could go to like a soccer field or something and <laughs> d- down and back. You probably won't need the soccer field is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Gentle listener. You go ahead and do that for the first day. Go ahead. Right. Right. Know how it goes. In fact, why don't you do this? Uh, have get yourself dropped off twenty miles from your house and uh, carry that home. There you go. <laughs> Tell me how that goes. So speak, speaking of twenty miles, though, so how do you? So you're doing a much? Is it a much lighter version? Maybe I shouldn't say that, but like at the end of your sessions, often this is when you're doing the weighted carries. Anyhow, but you're you're ending your sessions with a longer aerobic walk. That's oh, also yeah, you got to separate those out. Okay. So the loaded okay. carries are for. Work capacity, they're a little bit higher intensity. Uh, they can be very exhausting. Um, they're, they're, you know, in several Highland games I've gone to, we've had the farmer walk as one of the events. And I got to tell you, it, there are no events after it because you're exhausted. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're beating to death. The, 
the one time we had what 165 pounds per hand but the problem was they had a steel wire that was about as big around as a pen so you were it was just destroying your hands you would be uh, bleeding everywhere <laughs> oh it was brutal i mean i i mean i couldn't straighten my hands out for hours wow. that's next level um, but no no the, the the heavy hand the ankle weight heavy hand thing i'm using rusty moore's insight that the uh, Olympic lifts are freeing up my fatty acids. And I, and I tell you, and, and then what I'm doing when I'm doing the ruck walk, whatever you want to call it, the heavy hands is I'm burning off those free fatty acids. And I joke almost every workout, not just to walk behind me. Cause I just breathed out, you know, a cheesecake. I ate five years mm-hmm. ago, you know, whatever. So, um, different things for different, different tools. Okay. Yeah. I, I think just cause you mentioned that I want to bring that in and, and that's worth saying. So but I'm still doing loaded carries five days a week as well. Yeah. Cause that was part of your workout. And then you're yeah, I changed it. I changed it around just the last few days. So I do a 30 second hang and then I do a 30 second sit at the bottom of the goblet squat. Now, right then I, I take that same bell and I either do a suitcase carry that's one handed farm walk, mm-hmm. or I do it the weight over my head called a waiter walk and yeah. do that. In, right then. So I'm, I've decided to make those, since I'm doing the Olympic lifts, uh, I'm making the loaded carry part of the warm up. Smart. Just to yeah. make sure my, just to make sure everything's. Well, when up. you talk about glute activation and, you know, all this like stability and all these hashtags. Yeah, so this would be anaconda activation. Mm-hmm. There you go. You got all your. Anonymous, anti-aircraft, yeah. whatever yeah. you call it. Put a copyright on that. Yeah. Uh, I like that. That's really good. And when you see a lot of people, cyclists, you know, we're, you know, we're often broken and that's, you know, I think that solves a lot of things around again, this like mm-hmm. core strength, this, you know, glute amnesia, <laughs> we were naming all the hashtags, but, uh, certainly that like, uh, waiters walk the suitcase carry it, yeah. it, it isolates that pretty quickly, which sides, you know, a little off. Yes, it does. But it also, you know, every step you take with the weight, like an overhead is that the entire body has to sing to deal with that, you know? So it's, that's kind of my knock on, uh, machine training is you don't get that uh, symphony of work together. Mm-hmm. You know, most of us in the field now no longer say you have 600 muscles. That's now most of us would say you have one muscle subdivided into 600 parts. And the job of a good training program is to put the, make them all work together. And when you can do that, you become noticeably stronger. Having said that, it's totally against the bodybuilder mindset, which dominates what most people hear when we have these discussions. You know, some of your listeners are expecting me to talk about pectorals and biceps, and I'm talking about waiter walks and suitcase carries. They want to, uh, I mean, I've had people ask me when I'm doing a clean and jerk, what muscles that build? And it's like, holy, obviously you've never done anything serious in your life. Right. You know. Uh, this weekend, I, I did some serious power raking, and Monday I went in the weight room, and it's today's the first day, and uh, as we're speaking, it's been four days, three days. Today's the first day I haven't been sore in the area on the top of my hips, the the um, the raking muscles. Now, listen, I'm clean and jerking all this damn weight, you know, and I'm snatching all this stuff doing loaded carries and I'm taken down by raking. So that's kind of uh, uh, an important thing to kind of keep in mind uh, as for as hard as you train, you know, 
<laughs> when you all you have to do is put a rake on the ground and start pulling up grass and you know yeah it's it's all new so that's well, I, don't, I think it's an interesting story. I don't know if it helped to push. The it does. It does. Yeah. No, a friend and I, he has a farm and we've joked for years and we've missed the opportunity for sure. But we were like, you know, there's, forget about CrossFit. We're going to do like farm fit and you're going to come, you're going to pay us and we're going to make you do chores. Yes. And you'll learn how to do chores. It'll be education, but you're also going to get really tired doing, you know, again, carry your buckets, you know, clean out, whatever, yes. use a shovel, dig a hole. Um, we thought it was a good idea, but we never right. did anything. We should have done something. You, you should have in, 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 in copyrighted it and printed it and made a made a ton of money. Um, so we were talking about walking. Uh, do we want to still, you know, I do like walking. It's part of this consummate athlete idea is that, you know, you sort of do your main thing and then we're like sprinkling in strength training. I think walking's important sort of like just fundamental as a human. You know, it's, it's important. Uh, is this something that you've added recently? Like, is this a new addition that you're including so much walking? Well, new is a funny word with me. I've been lifting weights since 1965. Uh, so new is a, is a very big phrase. Uh, what do you mean by new? Uh, no, um, Mike and I started getting into the heavy hands work again about two or three years ago. Uh, originally, we, we decided to have what we were doing is traditionally Friday was our loaded carry day. And what we began to notice is is we were getting beat up by that one day. We would do general with general warm-up mobility work, you know, the typical some some this, some that, you know, push pull hinge squat, you know, that kind of thing. A little bit of that as a warm-up and then go out and load a carry and feel miserable at the end of it. And we kind of realized that uh, we're missing something. So we shifted to adding on Tuesdays uh, the heavy ruck day. So that on Tuesdays we put the weight vests on, put the weights in the hand, put the ankle weights on. And then we realized after a while that uh, as good as that was, we were getting some, we just suddenly got the idea. Let's, you know, let's, let's get, let's get that basic hypertrophy, that basic strength work in, and then go for the heavy hands walk after to see if that had any impact on our body composition. Well, I'm the poster boy for how it worked. So, mm. yeah. So that's, that's about a three year odyssey right there. I summarized in about a paragraph. So, okay. No, that's, that's good. I just yeah, didn't know no. if, if there was like an additional amount of, of walking, you know, aerobic work that you were adding in or not. Well, one of the things I discovered, you know, uh, generally, well, pre COVID, I used to spend a month every year in Galway, Ireland and in Galway, I don't do it on purpose, but you know, uh, my phone tracks my steps and I'm up to 10,000 to 15,000 a day. And what, and then I also swim in the Atlantic, uh, wild Atlantic, uh, at Salt Hill, uh, a place called Black Rock, which I love. And when yeah, I it's a beautiful notice, area, actually. We, we were there, we? we were there a couple of years ago. Galway's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. same, we had the same effect. We suddenly were walking way more. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. And you get, you know, when we come back from that month, uh, I'd start lifting weights the following Monday and I'd be like, hmm, I, I feel pretty good. And and I and you start to piece these things together. That's, you know, if there is a lesson I've had in my life is that um, it's a rare innovation I have anymore that hasn't been hinted at uh, in my my diaries and my journals are all. Here's this one here. Let's see. Uh, this is from 1999, you know. And so 
I'll go back, and they go back to 71, 70, 71. I'll go back, and almost universally, I've seen this thing before. It just took me a while to uh, apply it with the other stuff I didn't want to lose, mm. if that makes sense. So, sure, yeah, the right uh, mix, the right timing, the right yeah. lifestyle around it. Like life. <laughs> life around it. Yeah. So for me, the walking has always been, and I, and I still think that especially for strength athletes walking and Marty Gallagher will tell you the same thing. His book, purposeful primitive, uh, one third of the book is dedicated to this. I think is this idea, uh, Stu McGill, your fellow Canadian, you know, what's the best thing you do for your back, go for a walk. So I guess, I guess all this stuff's been around. It's the application. So, Olympic lifting followed by walking seems to just burn body fat for me like a furnace. Okay, great. Thank you. I think that might be a tool or a motivation for some people to get out. Um, You mentioned you're doing heart, a bit of heart rate recording along with that. I'm just curious, do you know roughly where you are either percent or or B? Well, I use Maffey tones numbers. Uh, Okay. Minus your age as a top Mm -hmm. end and then 160 minus your age as a bottom. But frankly, um, I use the talk test almost universally now. Okay. So uh, Mike and I, uh, we had this great conversation about the first word of the Iliad. We probably talked about it for 30, 30, you know, there's a new translation. <laughs> Supposedly Achilles screams out wrath. And I'm like, that's not what he said. That He said the F-bomb. You know, when you're that frustrated, you right. don't go wrath. <laughs> when you're that frustrated with life, it does seem a little odd, but you know, it was a while ago. Yeah. There's a better word that we would use in 2021 <laughs> and we all know it. Uh, so we'll have conversations about literature, about uh, we've all, everybody in my gym has just finished that new PBS documentary about Hemingway. And so we'll talk about, you know, uh, uh, his life. Uh, we'll talk about the, how great the first episode was for writers uh, we might talk if there's been a, a a big a big event like a game or something political, which of course here in the United States every day is something political uh, and something tragic. <laughs> Can we just stop, please? <laughs> Shooting people. Um, so you know, it gives it, so we use the talk test, and I still think the talk test is best for fat loss walking. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the, the, so then the weights and the load that you're carrying and, and so forth, that's going to help you get into that zone. Very easy. And don't forget, yeah. I'm also just finished cleaning jerks. Yeah. So today yeah, I so just did five light cleaning jerks uh, with a minute rest in between, then turned and picked up, picked up the three kilo weights and walked. And it's like, my heart rate was way above my Maffey tone numbers on rep number five. And I don't mind it because it'll, it'll calm down during the walk. But that's okay because, you know, it's it's okay if I say like my, I don't, I'm, I'm, folks, I'm making up the numbers, so I'm sorry. Say it's 155 when I put that clean, drop that clean and jerk, turn around and pick up the weights and start moving. It's going to slowly ease down to my walking. Right. Oh, the first, uh, the first little bit with me, I'll be like, yeah, I'm going to keep doing that. Right. Doing that, but when you know, uh, within about a quarter mile or so, uh, I'm to, I'm talking about the. Alien. That's great, and we do that in in cycling, right? Like we'll do, you know, that's even just the test, right? That is the test. Is like you know, do a bunch of hard work, 
and then how fast does the heart rate drop? But you could also do how fast does that heart rate drop? How fast do you recover yeah. while doing moderate work too, right? Like there's lots of variations, but. Well, and the other thing, and this is nothing new. I learned this in 1984 at the Olympic Training Center is that the heart probably prefers staccato. Uh, it probably was, prefers this, you know, up and downs, these big mm-hmm. sweeps. And I would even argue that not, you know, so getting your heart rate to 160, dropping it to 80, 160, 80, 160, 80 is probably, there's probably nothing wrong with it. But I still think there's probably more value in 160, 100, 140, 120, you know, that just this weird randomized stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, life and, and you know, your heart, and that, that's my knock on steady state. That's my knock on a few other things. Very rarely in life uh, do we get away from power laws, uh, you know, those those check marks, um, you know, really, really, really intense and then long and easy. Uh, my best training, in fact, uh, I was over there uh, <clears throat> meditating when I heard your voice. Uh, you know, my best training is when I train really hard and go for a long walk. Mm-hmm. That's my best training. My best lifestyle is when I have these intense bouts of something and then just kind of hang out. Um, you know, I, it, I'm not against medium, but the joke I always make about medium is this, you know, your daughter comes home from college and says, you know, I met the love of my life. And I'll say, what is he like? Well, he's okay, I guess. It's medium. <laughs> That's the love of your life. Well, and that, that fits very much with this, like the whole polarized idea, right? Of where you're, you're really working on speed, you're sort of over that threshold. And then a lot of the time is spent very easy, right? And this is yes. a, a, almost a tenant. I mean, there's people that disagree with it, but in endurance training, that's, you know, too much time in that middle ground is always like a mistake people make. Well, your great uh, Canadian friend, Charlie Francis, was the genius mm-hmm. of that. You know, he said your highs are too low and your lows are too high. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, by the way, I thought that Charlie, Fr- I, I think I went to his last workshop before hmm. he died. So, so uh, that wasn't, it wasn't that long ago. This is like five years. Oh, no, I'm dating no, myself. No, no, it'd be more like 11 or 12. maybe. Okay. I'm dating myself. Cause I remember when he died. Um, yeah. And uh, of course it, his assistants have kept his, his work alive. But when we're talking about, so when it's an issue we follow with in the weight room, you know, you're going to tell me that uh, today's a hard workout. And I look at what you're doing and you're, you're fiddling with your headphones and you're, you're looking for your jam and your foam rolling. And, you know, to me, um, you know, when you're doing a, <laughs> if you decide to do one single heavy clean and jerk, you know, and you're, you're blowing out blood vessels in your eyeballs, standing up with it. And then when you jerk, your entire face turns red and you you break your teeth grinding them so much. And drop that weight. That's far different than doing three sets of eight in the curl on a machine. Um, you know, you can say that that three sets of curl is hard, but it's not hard, hard. Mm-hmm. And then when you decide to go over to into your uh, your spin or your treadmill or whatever, and you keep changing TV stations on what you're watching, that's fine. But I think my walk is easy. You know, when I'm just walking with you and I haven't seen Molly, but you and Molly and I are walking and talking, just having this delightful little chat. Um, my low is lower than your. 
So my high was higher than your medium. My low is lower than your medium. Well, and even wonder, I mean, you're, you're, you're also up in that, that heart rate zone, right? So it's not even to say that it's, it's even easy. It's low intensity, right? But you're, you're trucking along there. Like you say, I wonder if this, if we can move this a little bit, same conversation, but you know, with cyclists, with endurance athletes, there's not a lot of strength experience. And this is part of the reason, you know, I like having you on and different strength people on is, you know, you talked about 150 pounds. I weigh 150 pounds, yeah. right? But, you know, that doesn't intimidate me. Like, I could get that up. Um, it'd be, I guess, impressive. As you say, I'd be the one falling over soon thereafter. But um, for a lot of us, you know, they never, we never get out of 10 pounds, you know, 10 pound Why? dumbbells, you know, and it's, you never, you never grow. And, and you guys get stuck in this machine idea too, as cyclists, uh, leg curl, leg extension, leg press which to me just gets you right back into that whole issue of the position you live you live in on the bicycle, mm-hmm. which is why I like the work of Bike James so much. You know, I don't know if you know bikejames.com. Yep. You know, his workouts are goblet squats, kettlebell swing, which is a hinge. So I would have you guys do hinge swing and then appropriate upper body work. And uh, do we need to load you up? Well, yeah, somewhat. But the movement of squatting is going to help you with all kinds of mobility and flexibility issues. Mm-hmm. The hinge is the most powerful thing you can do. And it will, you know, the, I mean, if you ever have to pull a wheelie on your on your uh, racing yep. bike, you, basically you're going to be doing a, a, a variation of the hinge. And then the mistake most cyclists would make, I think, is that they would do too much upper body work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would. What I would do is I would find exercises that uh, attack your issues. And, you know, I always imitate you guys by doing this little flumpy thing with your shoulders like this. To me, it seems like you guys need to do overhead presses and then horizontal pulls. Mm -hmm. That would be my uh, RX, my prescription. Sure. uh, to, To just... Now, too much of it will impact your cycling. Uh, And the truth is it's not... Neither of those two things is going to assist you as a cyclist, but it's going to keep you from that, this look that a lot of you guys get when you're not on your bikes. Well, that's it. <clears throat> and so many of our listeners too, like there's the elites who are, they're becoming very specific at like, you know, climbing up a mountain, you know, yeah. legs attached to a bike. But uh, I think the rest of us, our listeners, you know, we're adults, we're busy people, you know, yeah. we're th- you're thinking about health and longevity and maybe we're trying to participate in some other sports and stuff too, right? So at the very least, we're trying to avoid these injuries, right? That's why the one question I asked you was injury. So I think what you're saying makes a ton of sense that it's, you know, you got to get moving. You got to do things you're not doing at the keyboard and at the bike, uh, you know, yeah, arms so overhead. You guys, uh, if you're a cyclist and a keyboard warrior, um, uh, I think you're writing checks that you're going to have to pay a high price for someday in your life. Um, uh, with the, with the, 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 the upper neck, the area, the upper back and neck, especially. Hmm. Um, but what do I know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you know, my, my thing about you're on a machine already. So machine training doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think actually there is a value for a, a weightlifting athlete, like a thrower or an Olympic lifter, or power lifter. When they take a few weeks off, they go to a spa, they work out in weight machines. It can be absolutely eye-opening for them how fun it is to do, man, what are you doing? I'm pumping my arms. I'm pumping right. my hamstring. Yeah. It's so great. Because, you know, the, and 
So I think, so I guess, I guess the big thing for me is that the body still likes variation, which is why I'm such a big fan of, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall, um, at least at some level, you salute and recognize the seasons. Mm. Okay. I think that's good on that. I like your, your seasons thought. The one thing that we have odd in here, like in Ontario where I am, we're actually fully locked down still. So there's like absolutely nothing allowed. Double vaccinated, baby. Yeah. yeah I saw that. I was happy for you. Um, so, you know, race season uh, events, you know, it's, it's pretty, I, I don't know when we're going to get to it, right? So the seasons, as we know, you know, they sort of have our off season in the winter, you're building maybe a base, you might say. Sure. Um, I, I was wondering if you could speak a bit to, you know, if when someone's, how you would handle an athlete maybe your throwers, you don't have to do it too cycling, but you know, your season, as you would expect it has been pushed out. Um, what would you do? You know, would you keep going with their, you might think park bench uh, versus like just artificially doing well, bus bench. You can take it where you want, but I was just wondering your thoughts. This, way. this is the way I've taught it always. So let me, and then we'll, we'll then, so we'll go, we'll, we'll do this in three parts. First is the standard two, the park bench, bus bench concept. And then three, dealing with COVID. How's that sound? Okay. Sure. So my standard way of looking at the four seasons is traditionally most, now this might be only true about North Americans, but in the fall is American football, Canadian football, uh, and it's back to school. So it's very disciplined, very organized time of year. Uh, parents who don't have any discipline or organization become crazy lunatics, uh, loonies and toonies. Uh, when you, uh, sorry, Canada joke right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think the fall is a really good time it, uh, for very disciplined, very organized programs because it, it feeds into what everybody else is doing anyway. Mm. Uh, winter, the weather goes south. It gets cold. We start eating more of the soups and stew family, you know, big kettle dishes, you know, uh, crock pot, whatever you use, uh, those big those big meals with tons of food in them. And so in the weight room and the training for the winter, generally I say, go heavy, go hard, go home. It's called GH training. Uh, get the work in and get the hell out. Um, and uh, winter is also a good time to, you know, catch up on your planning, catch up on your reading. Uh, winter is a good time to start making those big decisions. Spring, you start popping outside. It's when, you know, uh, so I, we, I train outside year round, but, um, in spring, that's track and field, that's baseball, uh, lacrosse, it's it's fun. And then summer is the time to get out there and really play. Okay, so that's the – okay, that's – that's the, yeah. Uh, bus bench and park bench, um, uh, basically real simple. A bench is a bench is a bench. If you put it at a bus stop, you expect something. If you put it in the middle of a park, you don't have any expectations. So the bus remains the same. Pardon me. The bench remains the same, but it's what you expect from it. You expect a bus bench, a bus to show up. So for me, bus bench programs are best probably in late spring because most people want to get ready for bikini season. And uh, for most people in the fall, when everybody else is kind of getting disciplined and regimented. But in our field, uh, most people want bus bench programs in January, and that's when people the gyms fill up so much. So... I like the concept of park bench programs where you go in three, five days a week, you go into the gym, you do these things, you have low expectations. But here's what I've discovered in my career. 
almost universally park bench programs are better for increasing strength or in performance than all the fancy bus bench programs. Mm-hmm. Now, looking at the COVID thing, because of so much uncertainty, in fact, you know, what I told some people to do is go back as best they could and study uh, like the training of 1939, 1940 guys. Um, or at least if you could, if you could read a book or something about, you know, the uncertainty of World War II, you know, then, uh, or, and so when you're with COVID, uh, so much of it's been uncertainty. Um, I think it's been a marvelous time to, to take care of those things you've been skipping for so long. Uh, that's why at the, that my website we have, you know, with the workout generator, I think the reason so many people have been successful on this darn thing is that for the first time in maybe their entire life, they've been doing a, an appropriate program three, four, five days a week, mm-hmm. week in, week out over time and obtaining the benefits yeah. of those being reasonable, reasonable workouts yeah. over time. And magically, you know, like in my case, I'm down 26 pounds. Right. And I haven't done anything. I think that's that been that difficult. Yeah. I eat vegetables at every meal. Um, but then I drink a lot of water, but I don't do anything. That's, you know, it's not miraculous. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's unremarkable. It's the word I've been using a lot is it's just not on. It's, it's unremarkable. There's no, yeah. you know, You've been Instagramming about it, but it, you know, it's not, well, it's not, not high flying, you know? Um, and, and when I try to explain it to people, they, they, I get tons of pushback too, because it's too easy. It's, it's too easy. But not easy at all. Yeah. Well, it, it all depends on what you consider easy. I mean, I consider training five times a week for 52 weeks. Um, yeah. what you should be doing. Maybe some of my workouts are easy, but I didn't see you though. I didn't see you there those five days. And it's often, it's easy for week one. It's the week two, right? It's coming back. <laughs> isn't that true about everything in life, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I often say if you sat down with a group of kindergartners and you had a box of every assignment they would ever do and just put all, you know, and you got, you know, little Billy's got his dissertation, little Susie's <laughs> a, a medical doctor and you just say, okay, all you got to do is all this and uh, you'll be a doctor you wouldn't have very many kindergartens fired up, but you know, five days a week, you color a picture of mom, you draw some Valentines, you, you learn your ABCs, your one, two, threes, your do, re, mis. And, uh, after, you know, 16, 17, 20 years education, you, they call you doctor. Um, no, I think that's, that's great. I, I think that's perfect. Uh, as far as a message, um, as a, as some hope, I think for people too, but I would agree that it's been a good year for people just like actually putting in for us, putting in the miles, right? Like, and it's the first time they haven't rushed. They haven't tried to like cram yeah. in training to get for the race day. You know, they've yeah. actually, you know, actually trained in Canada. We didn't, you know, people have to do weird stuff in the winter. Right. But now it's like, they've had all, they had all summer to like train, right. Yeah. To practice. Um, so it's been really good. Last of our rapid fire questions. Oh, sure. We'll see how rapid this is, but uh, neck, you know, and, and this is cyclists, this is runners. So a lot of neck stuff, you, you touched on it with the d- keyboard warriors, but where would you go? You know, someone's having like neck pain, you know, this seems very common this year. Where, where do you start? So because of my concussion issues and my throwing issues, anytime I do neck work, I get ear infections. It's, 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 
So after long conversations with my physical therapist and some others, uh, I'm, I'm back to where I was uh, in 1970 when I decided that neck work is never a very good idea. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, if you have neck problems, I'd start with your feet, maybe your toes. I'd look at your toe mobility first. Do you have mobility in your big toe? Do you have foot mobility? And then you check to see if those ankles, you know, uh, are they aligned, then knees, then hips? Okay. So let's say, yes, those are issues. But what do you see? And then as you climb up to the top of that, all the way through that spine and shoulders and traps, if you've gone through it, once you, it's, if you think of yourself as a building, uh, this is the only time I talk about this would be this for the neck is you have to stack your, you have to stack on top of each other to get the neck healthy. Um, you know, those of you who cycle on those, uh, the, those, uh, what do you call the non mountain bikes now? Uh, so there's like road bikes. Is that what you mean? Or do you mean the you indoor, indoor road bikes? bikes? Yeah. Road bikes. Yeah. Okay. If you're on a road bike, you got to keep your head up so you can see what, you know, what you're about to hit. Um, and you know, you, you dance with the devil a little bit because you're on your road bike. So one of the things I would probably have you do, and it's going to sound weird is hang from bars. And because if we can get the shoulder, the hanging from bars, uh, helps, helps the shoulder with the shoulder impingements, but also too, you'll notice that when you're hanging from the bar, your neck drops almost perfectly into a neutral spot. And many of my, so I deal with a lot of American football players, Canadian football players, um, and with their neck issues from the violent nature of the, the, the game. And weirdly, Hanging from a pull-up bar, chin-up bar, uh, does more than all the fancy weight. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I no longer recommend uh, weighted work for the neck. I, okay. I no, I think that's because, very reasonable. Yeah, because what happens is almost universally, someone gets a kink, and when you get a kink, then those other things happen. For me, it's I, I know it. It's, I get ear infections when I mess with my neck. But others will get that, you know, you see the guy, you know, they're trying to, they're doing What's all the, stuff. do you know, have you figured out the ear infection thing or where, what is that about? I have uh, a pretty busted up head, man. Okay. No, I, I only ask because I have a bit of neck and then I have a bit of ear stuff and I'm like, whoa, yeah. this guy's got the solution here. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, so I've broken my nose six times. Uh, I had a surgery a couple of years back to finally mm-hmm. be able to, this, yeah. the, I've only been able to breathe through my right nostril for the last uh, about four years. Wow. Yeah. So for most of my life, it was. Yeah. And uh, I'm not bragging, ladies. <laughs> this is the whole picture, huh? <laughs> um, broken nose. Um, just uh, And it's always the right ear uh, where most of the damage has been is through here. And when my neck locks up, uh, I think it, uh, the, my Dr. Brunetti thinks it, it, uh, it cramps up the Eustachian tube, Eustachian tube. I think that's close. Yeah. And yeah. then okay. it, by blocking that up, the stuff gets caught up there. Uh, it's already a harvest. My brain, uh, that side of my head's already a harvest for bad bacteria. And here we go. Okay. Now here's and gentle listener. Why this is so important is, you know, to deal with it. Uh, we used to do antibiotics, which are a terrible idea. And it messed with my gut biome, uh, my stomach, uh, biodiversity. And if you mess with your biodiversity, that can lead to obesity. And so one of the things I do now is I spend a lot of quality time trying to, uh, I eat a lot of sauerkraut, I eat a lot of kimchi, I eat a lot of vegetables, I eat a lot of fruit, trying to restore my 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 gut. 
And so when I tell people that I've lost 26 pounds since January 1st, and it's uh, the second week of April today. So, you know, that's a pretty good rate of loss without trying. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to know what my reps and sets are, but I think it's as much the fermented food trying to rebuild my gut. Interesting. Muscle. Okay. And that sounds, and by the way, uh, if I had listened to myself say that 15 years ago, <laughs> yeah, you're a I rolled my eyes and gone, oh God. <laughs> Look at this guy. Yeah, he's meditating. He's over there. Look at this guy. Yeah. My, my daughter say my meditations look a lot like a nap. So just. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been trying it too, actually. And it's been decent. I've been using this like breathing app because it like records HRV. So it, my entry in oh. was like, oh, there's data points and heart rate, but it's actually been pretty good. So I use one called One Moment Meditation. It's a free app. Okay. And it's a one minute meditation. And I do that daily no matter what. And then I try to do, I, I, I use a thing called Brain.fm. Yeah, yeah. That has a focus. This so when I'm writing, I put that on to focus, and then they have some guided meditations. I wish I could find the one that they change it around. They change it around on me every so often. But there's this one British guy when he starts talking, <laughs> I'm asleep, man. Yeah. The second I hear that guy, this is a meditation. <laughs> right. Asleep, you know. Well, sleep's good for you too, right? I think people get frustrated by that. Like, I mean, sleep's okay. It's good for you. Well. I read a thing years ago uh, by John Duyard who said that if you fall asleep during meditations, you're, that just tells us you're still tired. And mm-hmm. even though I go to bed at 8, 30, 9 o'clock, and I try to roll out of bed early so I can write before I lift. Um, but obviously, you know, if I'm falling asleep during these meditation sessions, then obviously I need more sleep. Having said that, uh, not long ago, my, my daughter, Lindsay, who's just upstairs, uh, she came in and asked me a question and I was so, she goes, I thought you were asleep. I go, no, I was so deep in meditation that hmm. I could feel myself having to pull myself up and out of it. And that's when I realized that maybe sometimes when I think I'm asleep, I might just be in a, I don't know where my meditation ends and my nap begins, hmm. which I think is a pretty good problem, but to probably have at my age and where I'm at in my life that I'm actively trying to figure out my nap state versus my meditation mm-hmm. state. That's a good. That's well, something to yeah. meditate on at least. Yeah. Let's <laughs> sit and think about that. Well, it's like, a, you know, it's like when uh, people listen to me and Mike talking about the books and they'll say, you guys are, you guys are so well read. It's like, yeah, okay. That's a good problem on the list of, you know, Hey, you're too good looking. You got too much money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of yeah books. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you read too many books. These are these are a list of problems I'm willing to to yeah. bear bear Thank through. Thank you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, last thing I just have for you: Where are you at on this this latest book? Is Easy the new version of Easy String? Is it going to be the next book, or what's coming? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, at the bottom of my screen here, I've got some chapters I've been kind of just adding and cleaning up. Uh, in truth, I, I, you know, when I finished the, my last book, Attempts, and I and I rewrote. I don't know if you caught it, but I, I thought there was, I thought attempts was my best book ever, but, and it sells like, uh, but uh, the, there's a huge section on easy strength in there. And I, and then with Pavel, we've been kind of uh, uh, improving it. Uh, easy strength is just the classic way of lifting weights. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's the way people lifted weights before performance enhancing drugs. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to convince people um, I buy a lot of magazines uh, from the past. I, I, I just so I bought this one the other day. Um, uh, this is a uh, where, where do you buy these? Uh, eBay, oh, uh, okay. any place. 
I like I like old strength magazines. Okay, mm-hmm. but what's interesting about this one? Um, it's probably I don't I don't have the year on it, which is kind of strange. But oh, so it's 1968, and uh, this magazine was originally called uh, All American Athlete, and then they turned into Mister America All American Athlete. And even by then, there, this this notion that uh, bodybuilding is the answer to all strength things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, with bodybuilding, you also get all those other things. And I'm not ripping on bodybuilding. I'm just saying that uh, it doesn't matter how my hair looks when I throw. It doesn't matter how tan I am when I throw. It doesn't matter if I have pecs and biceps when I throw. No one cares if you're fat or not if you throw 75 meters. No mm-hmm. one cares. Right. Um, so we're still we're still fighting this, what I call steno symbol of bodybuilding as the, the way to train elite performance. And the truth is that's not true. And mm. that's a tough thing I thought, still to get, you know, to. Dan Cleaver as well. I found him, I think through you actually. Dan, um, my boss at St. Mary's. Yeah. 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 And he has his like gas idea. And then like, you know, the, the sort of high intensity, what does he call them? Hot sessions, right? Or are these sort of like, that's where you're going after maybe these like more breakdown sessions. Um, and I thought he worded that well and explained that concept well, that like the bodybuilding and the like breakdown, you can't do it all the time, right? No. In fact, I don't, and that's the thing I push against constantly. I mean, my athletes, my athletes, everybody, and almost everybody's athletes, they want to look, they want to look like something, mm-hmm. but looks don't matter. Yeah. And that was, I like that in attempts that you're sort of like, what is fitness? What is health? And then it all comes back to weight loss, but then. You know, I'm talking about pedaling bikes and you're talking about putting a weight overhead, right? And it's right. what happened to just yet, push, pushing down harder on the bike and, you know, riding it well. Yeah. And I'm, and I don't care if, and I used to joke about this at Highland Games and it's actually still true. You know, guy will show up and he's got that damn little shirt, you know, they cut the sleeves off and then they roll it like this. <laughs> yeah. the guy's all pecked out and stuff. And he goes, I always, the joke I always make is, you know, when they ask how much you bench, I always say to me, I always say 225, but I got it for three. And the reason I do that is I want the guy to realize that as I destroy him in front of his girlfriend for the rest of this day, that he's stronger than me in, in his gym. He's not, but, uh, you know, who cares how you look in the Highland games? Nobody. Huh. In fact, if you lose weight and I found this out years ago, I, I did a real big cut, uh, for something and then did some Highland games and got destroyed for a while. Cause the 56 pound weight needs a keg to counterbalance it. Mm. And, um, you know, as my weight goes down, I'm just, I'm not going to do any Highland games, uh, you know, at 215. I just had a, I just had a moment. This is a whole other side of the spectrum for you, but this is like one of the big coaches, um, more development coaches, but like for people developing into like say tour de France stuff or Canada, he did this webinar and he was saying, yeah, so in Canada, we just, you, you can't, we can't really develop mountain bikers because, um, like we don't have big enough Hills and races on these Hills to let someone who's under 68 kilograms do well. And I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm 65 kilograms. And I tried to be a mountain biker my whole life. This is why didn't this guy tell me this? I should just gained weight. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like he's saying that you wouldn't be able to put in enough power, right. Similar to your keg. Like you just can't push down if you're this little twig of a thing, right. Like to win mountain biking, he was saying like, you need to be 68 or over. And he just (laughs) said it as a throwaway. And I'm just sitting there with my, why didn't anyone tell me this 15 years ago? Isn't that funny? But it's true, isn't it? Yeah. And that's why I think good strength coaches uh, have great communication skills. Because mm. my job is constantly is what do you need, not what you want. 
but what mm-hmm. do you need? Yeah, what is the and goal? that is my job in a nutshell. And if you want to be an elite uh, mountain biker and you need to put on five kilos, let's stop having this con- a conversation about, you know, you, you, I need to ride 140 miles a day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. No, you don't. You get your ass in the weight room and yeah. put some put some beef on there. Mm-hmm. No, the best year I had, the biggest jump I made after sort of like initial was deadlifting um, a bunch. <laughs> A bunch of lifting and, and gaining a couple of kilos, still apparently not enough kilos, but, yeah. um, and just like the difference when you're sitting on a bike, like it's the seated power to get traction in mountain biking. Uh, and you can't do it if you're a little, you have to stand up if you're tiny, right? If right. you're bigger, you can sit and use your glutes and push down and yeah. there you go. But anyhow, I've taken enough of your time and I'm so well, thankful. It's just been an honor. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you enjoyed this or any of our past episodes, do us a solid and leave us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts and check out our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, over at consummateathlete.com. Questions or comments? Find us over on Instagram at consummateathlete and we will see you next week.